Okay, this is Alan. I'm here with Sid. Welcome to another Virial USA podcast. Um, I'm going to tell you up front that Sid and I recorded a marvelous podcast um, on, what was it, Friday night, Saturday? I can't remember. But um, the recording software didn't work, and uh, so as a result, you didn't get all of our wonderful insights. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what we predicted our score would be, but it wasn't 1-1. One, one. Um, but here we are, and we're going to talk about um, the match, now that we've actually seen one match under Emery, and um, then we'll talk uh, about predictions for the season for us and everybody else. So welcome, Sid. Take it away. Hey, Alan. And, and I suppose we're going to have to admit, even though that uh, podcast went down in the annals of posterity uh, with nobody else to... It was the proverbial tree falling in the forest. Um, but um, we both predicted 3-1. Yep. And so maybe we can look back on that one now a little bit and kind of say what, what, what did we think was going to happen to make it 3-1 that did not happen in the actual 1-1 match. Okay. Well, I think the I think the things that I saw on, you know, uh, watching the match and which were kind of borne out by um, some things that um, Zach posted on the site um, with uh, uh, expected goals and pass maps and so forth. I think, yeah, they reflected what I saw, which was the thing I was looking for to get us three goals was I was looking for more involvement. If we were going to play a 4-4-2, I was looking for more um, link-up between Gerard and Paco, which was essentially non-existent. Um, and I think the other thing was I was looking for more... Um, we were very right-sided in the match, and I, f I felt as though that was a real, real problem for us. Um, pretty much our... Threats were getting the ball forward in the box down the right-hand side, which involved Samu, um, or trying to go through through the center. It seemed like we really didn't do a great job of um, spacing ourselves in in attack in the box late on. I I, I felt like um, as far as their one, we had predicted one, and I think the one was pretty much the way we thought it might be, which was that. Um, we this we didn't really give them that many chances to score, but they did credit to them the play they scored on. They did a really good job. Um, it was the one time in the match where I think they really caught up, caught a number of our players out of position and took advantage of it. And I wish to note for all of the Mario bashing we did last year for doing this, Pedraza's defending was horrendous on that goal that was an ole move in front of the player running in front of you no attempt if you're not going to be there try and take him down take a card don't concede a chance like that of somebody streaking in or at least slide <laughs> don't yeah. just sort of run out of the way and uh leave a, an open path to your keeper I mean, horrendous yeah. defending. And well, I think you, it, it, is, it is accurate to say 
this is the reason Unai Emery does not view him as a true left back. I think that's right. We were joking last year, or I guess, yeah, last year or even two years ago, about Pedraza is, you know, he's a, he's a physical tank. He, he really, he really is, but he also has the turning radius of a tank. And I think that's what, what you saw was, yeah, he's, he's running back full tilt to get into the play, but he can't stop. <laughs> and, and basically Mateo, yeah, he ran himself out of the, play. he ran himself out of the play. I mean, but you know, there's no, it's, it's like he's full on the gas and he can't, he can't slow down and do any of the things that you said. Um, Looking at the play again, though, I think there are a number of things that were that was the that was the last chance we had to to take the guy who scored the goal out. But there but there were mistakes um, further up in midfield where our guys were were out of position and didn't and didn't react quickly enough. So you know the the question that you might ask and several people did today was where was Moy? I mean that was all of that came from a play that started down the down that side of our of our um of our team and Moy really didn't do anything. Um you know if you if you go back and look at it he's he's not really trying to to do anything at all. He and um that sort of set up the overload that Pedraza got caught in once Parejo wasn't able to make the initial recovery, I think. But, you know, it was fair. It was a goal where I think you have to say, if a team does that kind of play against you, chapeau to them. I mean, it was a, it was a very well taken goal, the the passing and, and um, the, the recognition of what, of what was going on was, was really good. So I actually wasn't bothered as much by our defense, but um, and I think Zach said the expected goals were something like 0.5 for them. So that's not you know that's not too bad. I was more disappointed that it it didn't seem as though we really had our spacing figured out in the offensive third. And I and this was something you and I talked about when we said it's with the short preseason and with the limited amount of time for new players to gel. Um, you're going to see some of this. And I think Pedraza was really a new player. I mean, he wasn't with us last year. And it just didn't seem like he and Moy were on the same wavelength at all. Um, Moy, it felt to me as though he really didn't have a good idea of where to play to um, to uh, play off what Pedraza was trying to was, was doing in attack. And the same with... Um, Paco, really. I mean, I, I just felt like for most of the match, he wasn't even there. Yeah, he, Paco, was, was not that apparent. I was going to ask you when you said it was a 4-4-2, do we really think it was a 4-4-2? Or do we read it to have been more like a 4-2-3-1 with Gerard out on the left, Samu on the right, and maybe Moy was sort of your enganche false nine um, playing, playing behind Alcacer. No, or maybe it was like more like a four-four-one-one, where Gerard was behind mm-hmm. Paco. Uh, because I think Gerard mm-hmm. was um, part of why. I think by the end of the match, he was pretty gassed. Was that he? I wouldn't say he he spent. He he spent time in the middle. He spent time on the right. I haven't looked at his, you know, heat map or whatever, but. 
I wouldn't say he was he was in one place and stayed there. I felt like it was more almost like a four four one one in effect. The problem was that when he did um, sort of go into the box and go forward in in the four four two or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, Paco really didn't give him many options to pass to. Late in the match, when Paco came out and we we made it was more like a four two three one for a while. Um, I just I just think that it's Emery had some good ideas. I think on the balance of play, most of the time, yeah, we probably would have won it two to one, um, maybe not three to one, but I think we had some. We certainly had more chances than they did. And in some ways, the penalty, while it was an obvious penalty, it was kind of soft in the sense that I don't know why the guy couldn't have just let the ball go out of bounds, you know. <laughs> but yep. well, our same, our same Maffeo, the goal scorer. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know, I mean, some of that equalizes out. I just think over over the course of the season, the thing that was the thing that was good compared to when I think of last season or or whatever under Kaleja is that. These were the kind of games against relegation sides that last year we would have found a way to lose somehow, um, and we and the team at least felt like it was pushing for a win, like they were. Um, there was a definite mentality of we're we're going to we're going to um, we have confidence in ourselves. Not oh my god they've scored we're behind one nil now what do we do? And that's so. Everyone heard here about. Uh... The new and improved VRL, we don't lose to relegation teams at home. Right, right, right. That's our motto. That's our motto. We don't lose to them. We may not beat them, but we... No, I think think overall, let's... Somebody made the point on Twitter, but I think we've said the same thing, is we really need to get through about nine or ten matches before we can really assess, um, you know, the, the team and what's working well and what's not. And that's especially true given that um, we had the injury to um, to Alberto Moreno. It looks like we're bringing in Estepinon, which I think is a great signing, frankly. Um, and then we also had, in this match, Coquelin went out. Um, hopefully, it, it, fortunately, it doesn't look like it's as serious as we were thinking. But, you know, the whole preseason, as we commented earlier, um, Parejo and, and Coquelin have been together. And I think you saw when Parejo and Abora came in, it was like, well, yeah, we may have done this in practice, but but <laughs> now what do we do? Um, it's it's just going to take some time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think Coquelin was very noticeable in a good way. Yes, um, and he was he was really all over all over the field. I I definitely thought Parejo was was lacking. Um, and when you were saying something was missing, that's where I thought you were going to go. Cause I, I thought the sort of, uh, ability not to play our force field around the box kind of passing, which I felt like I saw a lot of mm-hmm. and the box maybe was a bit extended of a box at some points where we were just trying to, trying to pass our way into dangerous positions. Um, we didn't, didn't have that sort of playing the ball over the top or, mm-hmm. or, you know, trying, trying to ping the ball a little bit more quickly from side to side and, and get the defense moving and out of sorts. Like yeah, I, I yeah. don't recall thinking of an attack where it felt like Wesco was 
out out of sort of out of their defensive shape. Yeah, that's, that's and true. again, that's true. you know, they're setting up perhaps to to play somewhat like that. But there, you know, there's always still some opportunities in a match, and they, and again, it's it would seem like with with players like Alcacer and Gerard and and Samu, you would think there would have been some occasion where you might be able to sort of catch catch the other team out or just individually make a play where uh, you know you take on two or three defenders and and beat them and and give someone else an opportunity and I, I don't know that that sort of explosive play was uh, was on display. Well, you're right. I, I guess there are two things that I think of that we're missing. Come to think of it, one was the only real through ball I can remember in the in the game that we played was the one to Paco where he lashed the you know scored a great goal from the top of the box, but he was marginally offside. That was a that was exactly the sort of thing that you're referring to. That was kind of like a Bruno type through ball, right? Um, I don't rem- remember another one, and. Mm-hmm. Or or Santi, or you know, Santi in, in yeah. terms of not the through ball necessarily, but, but some but that, of that, but also the change of field. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a fair statement that when you look at the pass map, everything went through Parejo, um, and he sprayed the ball around. But but they were more. I don't recall most of his passes from outside the box just to try and set up an attack into into the box where. Even the over-the-top ones were not. They weren't. What do I want to say? They were. They they looped more. <laughs> they 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 that quick sort of. Oh my God! I see this guy. I can I can make a one-touch pass over the top. Um, yeah, it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like I saw much of that. It felt like it was more. Um, okay, I've got the ball. I'm going to look around for who to pass to, kind of thing. And again, that may that may be a function of the difference between practicing and your first game of the season. I, I, I really felt like it, to me, watching it, it felt more, and admittedly without the crowd there, that play, played into it too, but it felt more like a sort of a fourth or fifth preseason match, not the first match of the season, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It sure does. And, and, you know, I think that's the case, but this is one of those, to me, you know, if you're trying to say we're making a step up, this mm-hmm. is a game you win and you find a way to win it. And I just, you know, long season and all that stuff, you really like and and as as we noted, it wasn't like we were really feeling threatened. You know, I think they had one chance on a header in the box that was that was a decent one. Yeah. Again, to me this goal was just kinda out of nowhere and just to me I thought we were completely just out of position, too narrow, um Mm -hmm. and and exposed for it. But, you know, so so again, in that case it's not one of those where you're trading chance for chance and you you know, you feel like, gosh, you know, if it had gone a couple more minutes, I don't know what could have happened. I mean, if this game had gone on, it seems reasonably likely there only would have been one team winning it. And um, I think, you know, that's a little bit of the frustration is mm-hmm. you do feel like you had it pretty well under control. Um, again, you can't yeah. overdraw conclusions from one match, but it is, you know, the 1-1 one, one syndrome is something we uh, we know all too well. Um 
mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. in games where you control, you don't you don't feel like you want that to be the result. Um, right. And, and in yeah. fairness, Andres also played quite well. I was going to say, I think you know that's the other thing is I think when I when we um, you know released him to go to Westcott, and then I'm thinking, and then our first match of the season is against them. It's like you know. <laughs> This is sort of set up for the for the classic. You're going to get stoned by this guy, and you're going to go go away with no points at all. So, you know, it. it I mean, I. Yes, if if we had if we had you are rose colored glasses about this one point at home to Wesca. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it could be a lot worse. And that's all I'm saying. I I think yes, we could have won it. We should have won it if we had kept playing for another half hour. If everybody had had the legs. You know, I, I think, sure, there was only going to be one winner. But um, having said all that, um, if we had, if if that first goal from Paco had counted, if, you know, if he hadn't been slightly offside, um, yeah, I think the game would have been different. I just, I, I'm just not going to draw too many conclusions from one game. I guess the, the thing I took away from it was that there are clearly things to work on, but we... Um, we should have won the match even with all that. So I guess I'm not going to be, as well, I say, I'm not going to be too worried about it unless we start doing that a lot. And at the end of 10 matches, we're sitting here going, Oh my God, we've got eight points and we're, you know, <laughs> somewhere bad in the table. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I, and I, and worth noting as well, remember that they had a goal ruled out that very well could have won them the match as well. And so I think some of the some of the XG factoring um, excludes plays that sort of didn't occur. It does, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that would have been a a very high probability chance of scoring, which in fact they did score on, and that was offside by a hair. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and, well, so. somebody somebody commented that the man of the match was really the linesman at that end because I mean he waved off three goals for offside and VAR said all of them were right. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. he had the best day of anybody. Um, well, but your your statement was very twenty twenty, Alan. Perhaps <laughs> there are bigger and more important things to worry about. So on on that note, certainly in addition to. The pandemic for any of our listeners now, essentially across the U.S. Uh, and gosh, who knows, maybe even to Canada. Uh, certainly, thinking of people like you, Alan, who are who are out on the West Coast and dealing with all these wildfires. Yeah, it it, it does put things in perspective, and uh, and it's um, I'm not near one of the fires that near myself, but the air quality has just been terrible, and. Uh, I mean, I I put the our, the Vireal flag out on our porch the way I usually do when we play, and it was literally sitting um, sitting upstairs and looking through the front windows, hard to make it out at times. I mean, it's just been mm. just been dreadful. So, but you know, overall, I think we um, I think there are clearly it, it, I. Let's one other thing I wanted to say about the match, which kind of feeds into what we were talking about that nobody got to hear, was was in terms of our players in midfield. We brought in um, Take late, and I, you know, he didn't really do much. So, <coughs> so I don't. 
Yeah, and I just and felt I, like I it was an early it was, season. It was game. a hard position to bring him into. <clears throat> I think honestly, um, that was a very Antiveros like kind of appearance. Yeah, that we sort of would have said, "Oh, look at Antiveros, he's being so sort of individualistic and in how he's playing and this, that, and the other." But by the same token, if you are a sort of attack-minded winger and you are brought on in that situation. Nobody is applauding you if you're tracking back and winning a ball in the defensive third. Like mm-hmm. they want you taking the ball, making some people miss, trying to get something into the box. Right. So right. I think I think as well Take felt that and and to be honest, and, and I think this is one of the things that we actually did, you know, he played well against us last year. I particularly remember the the post COVID match mm-hmm, um, where mm-hmm. we were extremely fortunate to beat them. Yes. Um, but he played well, but he is going to receive some fouls mm-hmm, and obviously mm-hmm. he's 19 years old. And part of that is <laughs> reputation that mm-hmm. he doesn't have built up yet. That sort of cachet that, you know, an older player on the ball, uh, will will win a foul. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being 19 also and being slight of build, I don't think he's sort of as as strong on challenges as uh, you know he will be when he fully physically develops. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, <laughs> then a very permissive ref. Yeah, that was that was another in, factor. In 20, 20 fouls or more for Weska. And, and only a couple of cards, and I think they were late on. They were, um, yeah. So, so you know, put all that together, and, you know, that he lost the ball a few times. He actually lost the ball a few times in very dangerous places um, that led to some counters for them that, that didn't <laughs> mm-hmm. materialize. Um, so he's definitely one that it's going to take a little while to, to mm-hmm. adjust and fit in. Yeah, I think so. Um so I guess the question is, um, if, I mean, by all indications, I don't think it's official, but Estepinion is apparently signing for us. That um, suggests that Pedraza will move forward um, and play where Moy was officially playing yesterday. Um, probably, you know, does that mean that Ontiveros is going out on loan? Yeah, maybe so. I don't, I don't know. Um, Maybe Jaime Costa is not going to stick around. We'll, we'll, you know, I think there's some there's some other things to to work out there. Well, so question for you: If you had the money, and money is always some limiting factor in this, <laughs> yeah, is that is that is that really the place you would have spent your, you know, what I would say is close to your last dollar? on this season's squad, given Mm -hmm. that we still don't have a a new center back in the system, essentially are playing the same four we did last year. Um, And maybe you have a little bit more confidence in Chakla, but obviously Albiol is one year older. Um, And you have not gone... You know, some people I think would still have said another striker potentially is somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. you'd look, you know, in the in the medium <laughs> price range, right. particularly if you wanted to move Fernino, um, you know, to a club say in the Segunda or the bottom part of the Primera where he might play more. 
what what do you think of then again and sort of subtracting it from the player who I think we could say is a good player mm-hmm. and I think the biggest thing about him is if you looked at it from a a more analytical lens I think you'd say you might buy him for 12 to 15 you could sell him for 30 or 40 in a few years mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. But what do you what do you think of where we're spending the money? Well, obviously, I mean, you and I both uh, have been hammering at at buying center backs for for quite a while. Um, and I think the I think the problem is really that the I guess I look at it as on the one hand we probably um, we certainly made a run at the guy at Tottenham. Um, which didn't work out, uh, as far as I as far as I know. Um, Though he did not play this weekend, right? So, but Mourinho hasn't what, been playing him anyway. So, I mean, I think it's still I think it's still a possibility, um, but it doesn't sound like it's easy to deal with Tottenham, as we know. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, but I think the issue here is we had a you know we our regular left back is going to be out for six months. And I kind of feel as though I feel like it was an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. Frankly, I think I think the fact that Estupinian was available, um, yes, he is somebody that you sh- should be able to develop and make money on. Um, what does that mean for our center back right situation right now? You know, I'm not familiar enough with all the ins and outs of the of the. Uh, um, fair play stuff and everything, but my guess is we probably could squeeze another player in there, um, but it's pr- it probably couldn't be somebody who's going to have a, a really huge salary, which probably rules out the Tottenham fellow because he's on EPL money. Um, you know, I think the I think Emery, for better or worse, seems to have a higher opinion of Funes Mori than most of us. <laughs> so. You know, we'll we'll see. I I feel like we're probably still looking for for another center back, but I think the fact that we spent um, whatever we're spending on Estupinian probably means we're going to have to um, look a little more in the bargain bin. And uh, yeah, you know, and I I mean I think you're a little little bit limited with Funes Mori. Either you're selling him or you're playing him. Meaning, I don't think I don't think you can say okay, I spent. 10 million or what we did on a fourth center back. Right. So he's, he's either got to play or you got to move him. And remember his value is going to be very low now, given that he's coming off a long-term injury. Well, so that's right. I think yeah. that is more of the issue with Funes Mori than, than anything. I think you sort of have to give him a shot. And if he, he, he's able to rehabilitate himself a little bit, you can try and move on in January. But mm-hmm. I don't know what you're getting now. I think that's true, and I think I think that probably you're going to see him um, used a lot in the Europa League in the fall, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. and it's you know, and let's be fair to the guy. I mean, we all, um, crit- you know, we're very critical of him at times. I think some of us um, who followed Everton criticize him from from that too. But the but the he has played well for us at times when he's been forced into the lineup for you know for reasons of injuries to to somebody else. It's not like he's been absolutely terrible. It's just you know. So I think um, 
as I say, I think we still are looking for a center back, or we should be. I'm just not sure that we we um, the fellow from Saint Etienne, whose name escapes me. Um, you know, they're, they're just wanting ridiculous amounts of money for, I mean, we're not going to pay $20 million for mm -hmm. some, for Fana. yeah, we're not going to pay $20 million for some guy who's, who's, you know, has a 19, 19. and has one, one real season of league gun experience yeah, under his yeah, belt. Exactly. So we're not gonna, yeah. we're not going to do that. Um, you know, we, we would be, if we were going to pay $19 million for a 19 year old, it would be a 19-year-old who has already been featuring in La Liga, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> who we had an opportunity to see. And I just don't know of anybody like that. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, I mean, the closest corollary would be... Boyan. Boyan. Well, the closest corollary would be when we got um, Bailly from from Espanyol. No, it didn't cost that much, obviously. But, that would, but we felt comfortable doing that because we had seen him in Spain. You know, mm -hmm. we knew what he could do. So, yep. so yeah, I mean, I think that's a, I think it does, I guess I view it as we could well, have gone. And, 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 and let me ask also, if, if you say you're still looking for a left back <laughs> and we had three on the roster, I mean, what is that really saying about, say, Jaume Costa? Like, what, what was the point of bringing him back? You'd think Valencia would have maybe paid something for him given that he was there and seemed to do okay. Like if at, if at the point that uh, Alberto Moreno, who again, I think his six-month absence really should be viewed as for something more like three or four, given he would have been hurt for part of those six months anyways <laughs> in some manner. Yeah. Um, but given that, I mean, maybe we just weren't comfortable at all. <laughs> Maybe it was Alberto Moreno, or we had no idea what we were doing for for a backup left back. And again, then I look at we let Quintiago, and you know Miguel Own was here. He may be a right back, but we let him go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I it think just, it, it doesn't seem like that was necessarily too well planned in terms of our asset management. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to look at it. I mean, here's the I've made that argument too, but here's the core here is the here's the flip side of that. Uh, Miguel played last year on loan for Huesca to Huesca, right? And, you know, in the Segunda did okay evidently. <coughs> evidently, but it's not like they were falling over themselves wanting this guy. Um with Kintia and I think, I think with to a lesser extent with Joe Costa, I think, I mean, well, actually to a greater extent with Joe May, you kind of know what you're going to get. And the question is, is that really what you want? And I think the fact that we brought in Alberto Moreno on a free but on a high salary over the top of them said at the time, no, that really isn't acceptable for our to be for the whole season. So when Moreno went down. Um, you know, yeah, I think the I think the only the only thing your choices are, you try to get through the six months with some combination of Pedraza and Jaime Costa back there. Um, you've already you know sold Kintia basically, so that's not not an issue. So you you know yeah you can try to manage that, but do you really think that's going to be successful over a season? I don't. So I think you I think then you're kind of 
you're, you have to say, well, all right, so I need, to, I need to upgrade the position in the absence of my starter, so let me go out and get somebody who's, who's, who's good, who we saw last year in La Liga was, was really excellent, and frankly, for even at 15 million, I mean, it's not like you're going to scratch your heads and say, wait a minute, why you want what for this guy? No, I mean, he's very good. So I, I think it, I think if we were going to have to stretch, I think if we were going to say we needed a left back, Estepinion is about kind of ticks all the boxes for what we think we wanted. I think you're, you know, the, the core, you know, the opposite approach is to say, well, we had enough in our system that we could have gotten through the problem. And I think if it had been a month or two out, that would be one thing. But six months is just, I mean, you've lost a starter. Yeah. I mean, my, I suppose my question, though, still is then the point of bringing Jaume Costa back was, I'm not sure. Because if you oh, weren't I don't, even comfortable, I don't think we, I don't, he, he could. We weren't even comfortable essentially saying that he could play half the starts. No, I, well, I don't. I think he came back. I, I felt like coming back was his own was really his decision in Valencia. I mean, I think he wanted to get out of the the madness over there, and I don't think for whatever reason, you know, Valencia is not going around trying to spend money. Um, so I. I I'm not sure that it was so much we wanted him back as we had him on, you know, we had loaned him there, but we, they didn't have a mandatory purchase option or anything. So I don't, I think if they basically just contacted us and said on June 30th, okay, Hey, he's your player again. I mean, I think that's really it. Um, so I think that, I think that I'm not sure that we had a whole lot of, a whole lot of um, input there. I think the, I think the decision that we made, was that um, somebody like Kintia was not going to be the long-term solution. Um, so, okay, I mean, if, if Norwich ends up paying, what, $5 million or whatever it is that they, that they can pay for him, I forgot. Um, you know, and we end up with, with uh, Estepinion for, for um, a net cost of $10 million. That's a pretty big upgrade in the position, I think. The, the question mm-hmm. is, of course, when Moreno comes back, then what do you do? Right, but, right. But, uh, you know, wouldn't nuts. you like to have a 20, you know, wouldn't you like to have a 22-year-old who can step in and, and play for a guy who's, what, 30 and often injured? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. That's right, yeah. that's right. So I'm, I'm, I'm so. okay with that. I'm not, I haven't given up on finding a center back. But, but I am kind of wondering how much more money we have to spend, yes. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a good time to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we can sort of look at a macro level at the season. And we're back, and I think maybe it's time now that you've posted some predictions and things, and we can both admit we were horribly wrong about the first match. Um, But just maybe to, to look at the league a little bit, um, you know, maybe start at the top and sort of how do how do you see the maybe let's call it the top three playing out? Unless you have any thoughts that you think somebody in the top three is not going to be one of the one of the three biggest spenders and biggest clubs this season. Um, I think you've got to figure Madrid have the advantage. Um, they won last year. 
Barcelona has um, had a tumultuous offseason. Um, Atleti are have done very little in the in the uh, in the market. I mean, technically, yeah, they bought Morata this summer, but that, that, that that's a, a book transaction, really. He was already there. Um, I think probably you have to go with Madrid. I Barcelona. The other two seem to me to be closer together. I just feel as though. I mean, I, I say it every year, but I, I just feel like Barcelona relies so much on Messi. But but there are so many problems with their team that he covers up for them. And at some point, those are going to show. So it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if those two end up being reversed. But I have to think that those um, teams are have to be finishing in the top three in some order. I don't see anybody else getting into the top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you that I think Atletico could be closer, um, and and I'll I'll go ahead and say I think Atletico will finish second this year. Um, I I do see some regression for Barcelona, and I I think a lot of it even even goes beyond what you are saying uh, about the Messi dependency. And I think it's just the aging out of that nucleus. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and frankly, we can look at it even before that, that really what have they done to replace Xavi and Iniesta? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who is the replacement for Busquets? Who is the replacement for Piquet? Mm-hmm. Uh, put put aside, again, Messi. You know, I suppose they have found Ansu Fati, and of course uh, La Masia develops, you know, incredibly talented players. So that's no surprise. But um, who, uh, it just it, you you don't see sort of a fit of any kinds of like for like players in their system for any of their key players. Uh, you don't see sort of somebody of the the Suarez kind of finisher mold mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then you know you've seen them spend on sort of more playmaker types like coutinho and griezmann well you know a lot of the success has been dependent on somebody like suarez to me he's really been the one that they've sort of been able to you know rely on mm-hmm. in big matches and who has been able to produce for them well okay who is his successor Right. And, you know, they have, I think, tried to spend their way out of some problems and found that that doesn't work. Um, So I think that's another interesting thing, looking at the sort of macro net spend, Um, you know, a, a transaction like Morata, as you said, is on the books this year. But Madrid, other than bringing back Odegaard a year early, didn't bring anybody in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um you know barcelona spent a little bit uh outside of the morada book transfer atleti hardly spent at all so in some comparison we look like we did a lot of business oh we um, did I'm, i i think we and yeah. i think rel- relatively cheaply but a lot of business mm-hmm. i think well estepinion will be bigger but i think when i when i was mm-hmm. looking last week the um Biggest transaction that had taken place, but in terms of in terms of dollar or, or euro amount, was um, um, 
postcard going to Sevilla for what, 11 million or something. So, you know, it's of the, of the non-book transactions, of the non-book transactions. Mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. Was, was Suso already factored into last year? Essentially? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in terms That's of a actu- lot of money for Suso, by the way. Yeah. But- yeah. But in terms of money that was actually spent that you hadn't already planned to spend, you know, that mm-hmm. was, that was really it. So Estepinion, you know, if it's 15 million or whatever, I'm not clear if some of that might end yeah, up being... He might be the largest. He might yeah. be the largest. Um, the other thing I think you have to say about the about Barcelona versus Atleti is, um, do you think, um, this is going to be an easy question to answer, but you know, is Cholo Simeone a better fit to, to Atleti, or is uh, Coleman a better fit to Barcelona? <laughs> I mean, which, which team has got the coach who's going to help you the most? I think that's an easy answer. Yep, yep. and I have some some thoughts about Kuman, and I would say that sometimes people who are available, there tends to be a reason that they are available. And uh, right. if you ask uh, Everton fans, I think they could tell you why that is. Yes, and yes. Just interesting for, again, for a club who can basically do anything they want, yet their last, you know, however many coaching hires, frankly, generally speaking, their coaching hires are pretty dreadful. Um, and it really doesn't seem like anybody gives a, a lick of thought about uh, who they're bringing in, what system they fit. Uh, I think here Koeman was Dutch, and they said, oh, you're coaching the Dutch national team. You must really be a great coach. Like We really need to pull out all the stops here and buy you out from your contract right. and uh, put you in the middle of this, you know, what I think is, is if if things don't go well at the beginning of the season, could be an absolute blow up uh, over there. Yeah, um, yeah, and that will be very interesting to see. Yeah, I th- I mean I think Barcelona still have even with the aging stars, I think they still have enough talent to f- to finish in the top three, even if all hell breaks loose over there. But. You know, you can. It's it's frankly a lot easier to see a scenario where, where you know things just go completely the wrong way than it is um, Kuman somehow, you know, energizing the club to finish first in first place. So, um, yeah, I think if I'm if I'm Madrid, I'm thinking my big um, rival this year is probably Athletic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's the league we're not we're not a part of, right? Um, but now now back to the league we are a part of, uh, and I think you have to start with Sevilla. Mm-hmm. And so I think the question is: ten points ahead last season, they made some improvements. I think we would say we improved our squad more than they did, but we also lost more, obviously mm-hmm. through through retirement again Bruno in some ways was not really an asset but of course Santi was still at the very top of his game mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and we certainly did lose Anguisa who was a who was a big piece of the team last year mm-hmm. um do you think do you think we made up 10 points um probably not i think i th- think we I would say I would pick Sevilla to finish fourth and us to finish fifth. But um, I think the two teams are, in some ways, I mean, this goes, you know, this goes back to the whole 
discussion of last season and where we really were compared to how we finished. Um, I think in some ways the, the way that the latter part of the season played out was probably perfect for us. Were we really, um, if you look at our squad compared to Sevilla's, I think we had, yes, we've had a better off season and, and, and we've made some, some improvements because we needed to make them. Um, I think Santi, uh, I think the emotion of Santi in what I'm pretty sure everybody knew was going to be his last season with us. Um, I think that really carried us a long way and certainly he upped his game um, over the course of the, of the pandemic um, season. Uh, I just think that we needed to do what we did. Do I think we catch Sevilla? I don't think so, but I feel like last year the difference was maybe 10 points plus or minus five. So even if we had, even if things had gone even better, we still would have been five points back. Now maybe it's six plus or minus eight. I mean, I think there's more variability. So I think we have yeah. at least a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when when you were mentioning sort of looking at the arc of last season, I mean, La Real was a better team than we were, hands mm -hmm. down, for most of the for year. For most of the year. Um, and the only reason we finished ahead was because of an absolutely brutal finish for them, which uh, comes as no surprise to anybody. We saved their season by the fact they beat us. Because mm -hmm. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken... They were something like two points from 21 uh, on the return. I think they were they were either the worst or the second worst team at mm -hmm. one point there, mm -hmm. uh, well mm -hmm. into the last 11 rounds. I mean, they were dreadful. Yes. And um, they, of course, came here and beat us, and that seemed to stabilize them a bit. And then they got that draw against Atletico, which is what got them um, into the Europa League places. I think, frankly, Granada was probably better than us on the whole, looking at the season as a whole in terms of consistency. So maybe you'd sort of flip around some of the teams. I would say we probably did more to deserve it than, you know, a Hetafe or a, or a Valencia. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, fifth was probably flattering, given given uh, what we did for most of the season. Right. And so, I, you know, I think maybe we will actually earn fifth this year if we were to finish there. I, I do tend to agree with you that I think fourth will be challenging. But at some point, um, you know, we have to figure out... <laughs> If, if the intent is with this hire of Emery and, and the money we're kind of putting into players, we sort of have to figure out how to be able to do that overachieving mm -hmm. on a somewhat you know more consistent basis. And I think we talked about it a little bit late last year, you know, watching one of Sevilla's matches against Abar, where they, you know, Lucas Ocampos went in as goalie. And in like the hundred and second minute, they were still playing and he makes a save on the other goalie. And mm -hmm. that's how they managed to hold out a one nil. Mm -hmm. We, we don't, we don't do that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the the example of that would have been okay if we had found a way to win that West Cup match. You know, mm-hmm. how how do you rescue situations where you just haven't played as well as you can? But those are the points that really add up at the end of the season. You're saying, wow, you know, I picked up those two, three, five, six extra points. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the difference in the table. Mm-hmm. So you'd like to say, again, if it's 10 points this year, maybe if we cut it to, to four or five, we sort of started to figure out how to win those kinds of games where you just don't play well, but you still grind it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Real Madrid, I think, has been a model of how to do that over the over the past few seasons. Uh, hasn't always resulted in them winning the league, um, but I think they've become a lot better at it. And I do think that that's been a significant part of their European success. Yeah, because I, you I, know, I in many of these finals and things they've played against Atletico, they haven't necessarily been the better team, um, but they found a way to make it count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Um, it's hard for me to see us if you if you want to talk about sixth and seventh. I mean, I one thing that I think COVID has done with the lack of spending and everything is that I feel like for some clubs that were maybe not as financially well managed, their ability to to is really being constrained this year. And so I'm not, it's hard. I wonder if you're talking about any of our neighbors, Al. Uh, gee, I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I might be. Um, but I'm, but I'm also just thinking if you look at, if you look at, um, uh, teams like Hatafe um, and, and, um, Granada and Real Sociedad, I mean, I don't see, I think you're probably right that on balance last year, if you ranked fifth, sixth, and seventh in terms of play, um, you would have probably said um, who was the better team. I would say probably L'Oreal were the best of the three. We were probably um, fairly even with Granada, but I think Granada really rode a hot goaltender um, and a lot of emotion coming back to the Primera to, to success. I don't see that that's necessarily going to continue um, over the course of this season. I'm just not sure. I mean, I suppose I've, I think L'Oreal is, is maybe going to come in sixth or so. Um, I suppose they could, they're probably, I sort of view them as our closest competition. Um, other than that, I feel like we're better than Granada. Um, we're better than Hatafe. We're better than... Um, Valencia, and we're better than Betty's, which I give some credit to Betty's for the Pellegrini hire, but he, that, that Betty's is Betty's. He's got a long way to, to go to get them in, in Europe, I think. Mm-hmm. Though they did manage to, in one of those cases. Oh, they pull did. Out pull, out a, pull out a late win. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but I will, I will tell you, and we can Alan can vouch that I did say this even before the first round, that watch out for Granada. Yep, yep. Um, you like Granada, I know. They looked very well, and, and I think it dovetailed with another thing which we talked about, which is watch out if you're an athletic fan, because I think there's some real danger this season. Um And that was a pretty comprehensive win for Granada. 
against uh, them. Yeah. And, and I really like what they've done uh, in the transfer market too. Mm-hmm. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing flashy, but I don't think that based on their performance, they needed to. And mm-hmm. I think the most important piece for them was really not losing too much. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's a good team. That's a good team. I will say I think that's that that's the best team of the sort of best of the rest. Um, mm-hmm. Another team I was relatively high on who did not deliver was uh, Levante. Right. Um, still, still have the same issues, just of, of leaking goals, and uh, you know that that's a problem to setting your sights too high. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alan, what do you make of our neighbors with the half-built stadium who uh, <laughs> put in put in four goals uh, and? have basically yeah. I don't know what they have a coach railing against management they have no new signings they lost four marquee players and yet they still seem to make things happen well I know I didn't see the match so I um, I know Zach made the point that if you know I mean he's a big big believer in expected goals and I think if I forget what he said exactly, but essentially it was a kind of a fluky win in his mind. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think Valencia, I never thought Valencia were going to be as bad as what some people were saying. You know, I saw people suggesting they might be relegated this year. And I, I, I think they just have too much talent for that to happen. Although we said that the year we were relegated too. Um, But I don't think they're, I mean, one match does not a season make. I think they're probably going to finish in the eighth to eleventh range. Would be my guess. I'm not. I, I I think they'll do. They they definitely have an upgrading coach over what they had. Um, the team, however, is is uh, pretty fragmentary at the moment in terms of what they their roster. And I think they really um, this whole thing. With the half-built stadium, um, you know the, the Valencian government is has basically saying to them now, you know, we've been waiting long enough on this. We need, you know, you're, you're going to have to put some money in and finish this thing. Something's going to have to happen here, but we're tired of waiting around for you. So I, I don't. I think the financial issues um, at Valencia are pretty significant, and that would be so even if the fans were happy with the management, which, as we know, they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But obviously, and one one transfer season is not going to make or break things. But certainly, they made a decent bit of money mm-hmm. on on what they've done this year. Again, I think uh, if you ask people, obviously, Ferran is is a good player and probably will become a great player. Um, but I mean, Rodrigo, eh. mm. think think jury is out on on him. He's a, he's a decent player. Would never would never put him in the great category. So it made Parejo and Coquelin, uh, I mean, on high wages. So mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. you're reducing your wage bill, and they do always seem to have a decent factory of young players. They do. Um, you know, Manu Vallejo scored twice. Uh, Musa looked very good. Obviously, they have Kangin Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's been a big prospect for a little while, you know. Even guys like Soler and Gaia, um, a little bit older and more experienced, but not not that old. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a there's yeah. a decent nucleus of a team there, right? Um, d- despite what's been done, I think the the question becomes an injury or two, and then what do you start doing? Um, right, and I think the I think the other question is, and the sale may not be done, and the sale may not be sales may not be done, and there's no indication that the money that they're making on the sales is going to get plowed back into the team. I think that's the, I think that's the thing that's really frustrating to the fans is that, is that, um, that it almost feels as though, um, Marathon is saying, okay, we're, we're going to collect a bunch of money here, but at least for the next season or so, we're, we're going to have to get by on what we got. As you say, what we got is not terrible. There's some, there's some good young prospects there. Um, and Javi Javi Gracia is a good coach. I think he's he's a good motivator, and maybe you know maybe his motivation is is telling the team you know play for the non-existent fans, not for the owner. <laughs> you know maybe mm-hmm. maybe they find strength in all being mad at, at the owner at the same time. He can't fire them all. Mm-hmm. I guess he mm-hmm. can try, but he can't fire mm-hmm. them all. So I don't and, know. You and, know. And I think I think he's very much a. Um, getting more than the sum of the parts kind of coach as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because I think they're they're going to struggle for consistency given the youth and experience there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. I would not be shocked. I'm not really shocked by anything that happens at <laughs> Valencia. So this would go into that category. But yeah. I would not be shocked if they're right around the European places. Uh, all season because I, I think they are they are better than advertised have a good coach mm-hmm. I think the question just becomes for them at some point does this become everybody who's there says nobody really cares if we make it into Europe or not they're basically just going to keep stripping the parts off the off the car every season mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, how long does that attitude just become well none of these kids want to be there None of these kids want to continue to develop there. And once that sort of spigot turns off, then then it becomes a whole mess. Um, it, yeah, really Because, I mean, when, when do you think Valencia is making the Champions League again, realistically speaking? I think the answer is they would have to win the Europa League to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, the chasm is huge now. Yeah. Um, and you do need to be able, you know, you can produce four goals against Levante. This team may now go three goals, three games without scoring, um, because that's that's the nature of playing with an experience. And you can't do that and make the Champions League, which is really the thing that you know they have been able to hit every few years and seems to have sort of sustained them over mm-hmm. over an extended period. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I I guess I would agree with, would agree with you. I think probably their their chances of <coughs> I don't think their chances of making it into Europe are that great, but they're but they're certainly a lot better than their chances of getting relegated. Which so mm-hmm. I, you know I, I think they're actually if you can step away and and sort of look through all the nonsense at the front office and just look at what there is on the pitch. If you know you compare their lineup to some of the other teams in sort of that mid-table region, I think you'd feel relatively good about what they've got. Um, you know, nobody really has spent any money, so you're kind of looking at 
um, last year's team is a year older, or maybe having a loan eve that's that's um, gone or a loan eve that's shown up. But it really feels as though for a lot of teams, it's like for Valencia. I would say if Kangen Lee has a really great breakout season, that might carry them into the European places. If I look at at some uh, at a team like Hatafe. Um, you know, if it turns out that Anis Unal actually fits in really well there with Cucurelli or whatever his name is. Uh, Cucurelli? Yeah, who I really like. You know, I mean, I can see a path for them to get there, too. It's it's really kind of, you're, all of these teams are sort of reliant on a couple of players to really sort of do have breakout seasons and carry the team with them. Um, and who knows which one of those guys you're going to get. I think the problem for some of the teams that are a little that are in that group like Levante for example is I don't know if they have a guy who can do that I think Levante have a team that is sort of what it is and they're probably you know 10th to 12th is probably going to be the the apex of their achievement I would agree with you that athletic I mean I think their Europa League going forward the problem is they're close to relegation material going back yeah and that (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that is that is what ends up putting you in the tenth to twelfth. That's right. That's so. right. And and I think for athletic club, um, I think why you're being pessimistic, and I think I'm being pessimistic too, is that um, I think partly just because of the way that you know that they can't go into the transfer market the way other teams can, um, because of the Basque um, policy. I think they're really very reliant on two or three players anyway. And I felt like last year they pretty much got maybe towards the top of those players, uh, what they could expect from them. And so do you mean the 15 goals that Raul Garcia scored? Oh, I mean the 15 goals that Raul Garcia. Yeah, absolutely. So, so since, since you can count on that, just write it up and say that that's going to happen again every year. Yeah. If anybody wants to bet their life savings, that's a real that's a real good one to take. Um, yeah, regression to the mean, yeah, I believe, I think, is the word. Yes. <laughs> it's a phrase. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think that's um, a good phrase. Yeah. So, I, I, so that's I, a big problem for them. And then, yeah. you know, I think some a bigger issue for them is you do that again one more season outside of Europe. How long is somebody like Inyaki Williams going to spend sort of prime portions of his career Mm-hmm. At a team that is just struggling to stay in the top half, because I I would be surprised if they're a top half team this year. I don't I don't think they have it. Yeah, I I agree. I I I hate to say that in some ways because I've got a lot of good friends who are in the Bay Area who are part of the um, the uh, the uh, Pena that's in California that supports Athletic Club, and I I I you know, but I think this is going to be a tough season for him. I don't think, again, I don't think they're going to be fighting relegation, but I just don't think they're going to be, I think they're going to be, you know, mid-table at best. Um, I think they're a team, though, that will suffer a lot from any further extended absence of fans. So yes. I think they are yes. very reliant on team. Um, mm-hmm. And so perhaps this is this is the point to... You know, I think we would expect at least one of the promoted teams to to go down. Um, but of of the three teams that have made it up, who 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 do you have who do you have odds on being able to stick? 
Well, the obvious team I don't have odds on being able to stick is Eltra because, I mean, they just barely got promoted <laughs> anyway and changed coaches and have no, uh, you know, I mean, I think I think it, it's going to be brutal for Eltra. I think... Lost their best player. Yeah. I think... Jonathas. Jonathas, yeah. Well, you know, I think... I think what we I, what we saw from Wesca. I think they can stay up. I don't. I think it's gonna. I think they're. I think they have a good chance. Uh, if I had to put money on which of the three would stay up, I would say Wesca. If that would be my top pick. Cadiz, I haven't actually seen enough of, but I think it's. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be another team. Frankly, that the loss of fans is going to hurt because I think for sure. I think that, that sure. they've got a great tradition. They've got a, a very passionate fan base. And being able to translate that into matches where you, where you can't attend is tough. Um, so I would say Wesca um, is probably the team I would think of the three is best equipped to stick around. I think the signing of uh, Maffeo was a really, you know, that, that was a, a good thing for them. Um, other than that, I think probably, I think the teams that I would really be concerned about this year, um, Alaves, I think, Abar. Um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. even Celta, I mean, Celta on paper, uh, look better, but then I look back and I was like, well, you've basically got, you're, you're a year older and can Iago Aspas continue to inspire you that many more years? I'm just not sure about that. So I think probably two of the, I think probably Cat El Elche certainly and go down. And by the way, I mean, they have a ton of talent. They I do. Mean, that <laughs> That, yeah, they do. that and, 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 you know, in terms of talking about landing spots for a certain unemployed coach who has a fifth-place finish on his resume, mm -hmm. I mean, that would be an interesting place. You've got, and also I saw Emily Moore came back on loan, you know, I mean, one of the, like, top talents in Europe kind of discussion was happening about him only a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Seems to have faded significantly. But you have him, you have Bryce Mendez, you have Denis Suarez, you have Aspas, obviously, who's been very successful. You have Santi Mina, you have Nolito. I mean, they don't even have enough places to put these guys on the team. Mm -hmm. And yet you, you still wonder sort of what, what what is missing? What is the consistency that is missing there that can't seem to, you know, put this fantasy all star lineup and actually get any consistent production out of them? Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I think they're um, they're a team where on paper you look at them and you think, gee, these guys ought to be if they had if they could just do what you think they would do, they ought to be at least you know, ninth or 10th, and they might be challenging for Europe if you, if they got it together. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite understand. I mean, their defense is, is average at best. And I think that, but, mm -hmm. but there seems to be, um, just an overall, um, I know last year the, the fellow from, um, Celta USA with, that does a lot of tweeting during their matches was just frustrated at, it, it, exactly that is like how do you have so much offensive talent and you get two shots on, on goal or something and i don't know what the answer is um and i think the but that uh, would be an interesting job to look at for sure for it would, one javier okay huh it would so. it would i think he i think he might be a very good fit there um but yeah i think they're going to struggle abar um i just uh, 
again, I like the team. I think the fact that they're, um, I think the loss of fans doesn't really help them either, although they actually did reasonably okay, I guess, during the, during the pandemic half season. But um, they, again, have only lost players or not really added any, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Miles Oriana was yeah. a big contributor. Yeah, so. so I was, you know, I just think they're, they're. Yeah, um, I think they're very much in, in danger. In danger. That my second team, so that would be disappointing. Uh, I think you mentioned Alaves as well, who was, I believe, the worst team uh, after the restart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah, Alaves. You know, had a couple of managers who have sort of been able to keep them up. Um, but you know, it could be, could be kind of a down year generally for the best teams, I think. Could be. Um, yeah, could be. I think, um, Valladolid are another one that I, you know, they, they tend to get lots. I think we looked, um, earlier and it's like they, they led the league in draws. I think they just didn't win mm-hmm. much. They just didn't lose much either. They tended to be the masters of the nil, nil, one, one draws. And I'm not sure that that's a successful model for um, for moving up the table. It might be it might be okay in the sense that it may be very much like last year when I always sort of when I when I look at teams that are sort of in those ranges above the relegation zone but close to it, look at it and say, okay, how many teams are there below you that are worse than you are? Unfortunately, Valladolid could always find three. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I think this year I think certainly Elche has to be the odds-on favorite there. But you'd think in terms of you know these half dozen teams we mentioned, you know a team like that viability that at least seems to have some identity and some consistency. Um, and again, I think they know a six-pointer when they get in one. Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, I think and I do think that that sort of that collective identity of, OK, we know we know what the league we're in and we've done it before and we have some confidence in it. Um, you know, I, I tend to think a team like that will stay up versus a, uh, you know, again, I think that's why people were so concerned about Celta. It really reminded, I think, a lot of VRL fans of the year we went down i don't mm-hmm. think they were as talented but they were they were pretty talented yep, yep. and uh didn't seem to have an understanding at all of how do i play when i need to stay up versus mm-hmm. how do i play you know when i draw barcelona or i think nearly beat them um during that pandemic period so mm-hmm. yeah i think i think that for for valladolid I know when I've seen when I've seen them play, I, th- I think you're right that they they're a team that really understands what they need to do to succeed. And I think that was part of what I was um, impressed with Wesca uh, on Sunday was I felt like I, th- I think Michelle has that mentality pretty well. Um, I mean, it's early yet, but I but I sense that they'll be able to survive because of just that. I mean, I think they're going to be, I think we're going to see some big matches at the, at the bottom, that bottom third of the table. I think they're going to do okay in those, just like I think Valladolid will do okay in those. 
I don't expect mm-hmm. Elcho and, will. And I think yeah. I think Wesca certainly benefits from the fact that they've done this once mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they went down immediately. And I think, you know, not all the same players, but I think organizationally, even institutionally, you learn some lessons from that and say, okay, yeah. what, you know, how do we mentally prepare ourselves for knowing that, you know, and, and again, they went from sort of being one of the favorites to come up. You have to play very differently in the Segunda, which is, you know, a no-holds-barred league of its own. Right. But now you come up here and you're basically nobody. And if you're not coming out fighting tooth and nail, you're not getting any results. Right. Speaking of the Segunda, um, I, I, I mean, Espanol obviously have to be, be favorites to win the thing. Um I was just astonished. Yeah, well, Castell. Uh, yeah, look at look at Espanol's roster. I mean, I, I was just astonished at at how many of they were able to to keep so many of their players around for that you know for the year in the Segunda, which was kind of reminiscent of some of you know our players who could have left and didn't you know at Bruno, I guess being a prime example, um, but. They've got a really talented also, roster. Yeah, keep in mind, though, there is still another month in the transfer window. So well, there I do, is. Yeah, you know, it could change. But some yeah, of that, yeah, some of that yeah. can move. Yeah, I think Espanol have to be favorites to go back up, though. I mean, I, I just... For sure, you know, for sure. Well, yeah. and again, remember, they just had a huge infusion of money. So I don't think that sort of their performance on the field was reflective of their new financial reality. And certainly somebody like Wu Lei is staying, I would think, in large part because of the owner mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and not because they couldn't have made a decent bit of money on him. Um, right. Well, it does It does mean that, you know, you're, you're in a position where um, you don't need to sell some of your, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to sell a Mark Roca, you don't need to sell a, uh, Raul de Tomas, um, just to, um, you know, in this, in this season, you can, you know, you do get some parachute money. You do get some leniency under the, under the rules for going down. Um, if they don't come back up that, then that, then that leniency, I think goes, goes away or is significantly reduced. But, um, for now, I think they're, I think they're okay. I mean, I think they'll, I think they should easily get back up. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, if, uh, I'll just warn you. You remember how hard it was. So, yeah, it was. I mean, and it's we like were in a very similar situation. It was. So if those guys are not prepared to go and, you know, travel to Lugo and go ground out a 1-1, then, yeah. then you're, you're in for some trouble. Because not every game is going to be, hey, this free-flowing, we're just so much better than the other team, and they're going to sort of let us run all over them. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of guys who are going to hack you down, <laughs> right? And and aren't going to give you a hand up, and uh, you better be ready to play in those matches too. Well, the other thing is you also need to be, you know, it is going to be a world of difference between going to p- places like the Camp Now and and the Ceramica with their immic- immaculately maintained pitches, with the you know all the special grass surfaces and everything. I mean, I still remember a couple of the potato patches we played in. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, it's, it's great to have, have this idea of free flowing football, but when the, when the ball, um, doesn't really bounce, doesn't really fl- flow across the pitch, it just kind of bounces or, or whatnot. It's kind of hard to play sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's it's a tough division. It is. I think to be fair, the worst um, the worst that I remember was was Guadalajara and and Jerez, and neither one of those are are around in in the Segunda now. But but they do get to go to Numancia, which I remember being told by by very all fans who went that it was the coldest damn place they'd ever been in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> that that little ground, so you know it, it'll be different for him. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a lot of ground covered there. And uh, any last thoughts? Maybe rounding off our initial discussion in terms of transfer business. So, if the Estupinian signing gets completed, I think um, we'll be at. I believe twenty-three healthy players, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that's I right. Think that's right because Alberto Moreno will be out. So twenty-three healthy players, we can carry twenty-three. Again, you'd have to assume one or two have a knock somewhere. It seems like Fernino is likely to spend most of the season with the with the eighteen. Again, assuming he sticks around. Um, mm-hmm. But that's also counting somebody like Raba, who we're certainly not sure will, given yeah. particularly if Pedraza is another winger. We already have Antiveros, who we're not sure will see the field. So I don't know that somebody like Raba will stick around. So probably one or two more departures left. Mm-hmm. But do you do you see the squad sort of generally complete, other than maybe a winger or two leaving? I still think we'll bring in a center back. I I really do. I don't know who it will be, but I still think we'll bring in a center back. Um, it may be, though, as I say, if, if it turns out that the Tottenham deal is, is really fallen through to the point where it's not worth continuing with, you know, I think maybe we go again for one for one of those cheap center back options where we're basically hiring a veteran to be sort of an emergency cover fourth position or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe that means we have to do something with Chakla, I suppose, but I think that's okay. Um, other than that, you know, I think, I think the, I think the odds of, of, uh, Fernino sticking around are, as you say, much better now that if we had, if we had had the opportunity to spend 15 million on a striker, um, and had decided to do that. I don't know that we would have made sense anyway. But the fact that we've spent that money somewhere else makes it more likely that that he'll stick around. Um, yeah, I think Raba needs to go on loan somewhere, and I think Antaveros probably. I I'd, I'd actually be happy for him to stick around, but I don't know how much playing time he'd get. Um, and the other I, guy, I guess we. I think probably it's more likely Ontiveros goes on loan now that we might want to keep Jomi Costa around since we're and since we're viewing Pedraza more as a as a left um, winger than a than a fullback on the left. So, I, I yeah, think, well, yeah. and again, Costa is in the last year of his contract. Uh, yeah. sending him on loan on the last year of his contract, is I don't know, makes it, sense. No, um, and, the, and the other thing is, I remember when he went on, when he went to Valencia, one of the things he, it's funny, you know, one of the things he really wanted was to say he'd spent 10 years with Villarreal and picked up his little um, ceramic submarine thing. And I think, so I think he probably is, is quite willing to stick around and, um, and be a, and 
you know, play whatever he plays. So, you know, whenever he plays. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, good, good squad player, good yeah, presence. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, again, I just, I, I just think it, it, it seems like we were saying he was only going to play 10 games and Alberto Moreno was going to play 30. And right. I don't know that that was ever a realistic sort of view of, of health and, and otherwise. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but I think, it's, um, but I think realistically, I think what we've seen is what you know, with the Moreno injury and with and now viewing how Emery it, you know is planning to deal with Pedraza is yeah I just think that it probably makes more sense to loan on Veros out for a year and uh, let him prove prove himself and bring and then bring him back than it does to send out Jome for a year and I don't think we're going to sell him and get money for him anywhere particularly so that would be mm-hmm. my guess. Um, mm-hmm. Other than I, that, I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to see Ontiveros at you know uh, another you know I think Ontiveros at Levante would be very interesting. For example, yeah, uh, I yeah. think he could add them a dimension, and um, you know he he'd have to learn how to deal with some of those veteran guys who, if he's not getting back, they're going to yell at him. Right, right, right. You know? And, yeah. and that's one of those things that we've always said, you know, maybe the pressure is a little bit less at Villarreal and maybe you don't have, you know, I think we have more of those personalities than we used to. And guys like Albiol and Ebora, who, who I'm sure are a bit more vocal, mm-hmm. um, but, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't be the worst thing going into sort of a more veteran group and, and hearing like, here are our expectations of you. No one's going to sort of uh, let you get away with things. Yeah, it could be. Um yeah. Other than that, I guess I don't really see anything. I mean, I think between, it's doesn't seem to be that Carlos Baca is going to go anywhere, and I guess he's got a muscular injury right now anyway. Um, we've signed the backup keeper. Um, I guess Barbosa is still hanging around Buriana, hoping that we might sign him for a, you know, for, to be the third keeper to go on European trips or something. Um yeah, I guess that's. I guess I, I, Raba definitely, um, and Antaveros would be the two, but I would think would be would be loaned out. Um, other than that, I suppose, I yeah, I still see us getting a center back, but not of the high profile that we were apparently looking for before the injury to Moreno. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then I think, as you said, Chakwa, you would think has to has to move. Um, mm-hmm. Or or Funes Mori, and then the one other interesting thing I think I saw was that the Caceres loan maybe ended early by America. Oh, so apparently mm. not not very satisfied with him and his performance. Oh, so I okay. don't know. I don't know what that means if they're intending sort of to what what we would be intending to do. Um, but again, you know another more recent foray into South America that has not nearly proved as lucrative for us. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian Espinoza and a number of other players who seem to have significantly kind of plateaued um, yeah. after, yeah. after we picked Well, the up, thing about so. Caceres is at this point, I mean, he's, what did he sign? A five-year deal with us? Was it four or five years? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say we signed him for, for around 10 million and he signed a five-year deal. So if he's, and he's already gone through this, this is his third year of it. So, you know, I think really, 
unless unless we really I don't know how we really see anything at this point that enables us to say yeah let's let's give let's either give this guy playing time or let's um or let's give give him a loan somewhere but let's bring him back next year with the intention of playing I know Robin will hate me because Robin loves Caceres and I like the guy too I feel like he was just kind of the he was hired when we brought him in he just wasn't the right player um so I, I think really we probably are going to just cut our losses there but I guess the point I was going to make is that if he's that far along in his contract you know his book value is going to be down to around four million rather than ten so if we can find somebody that'll that'll take him off our hands for you know three to five million I think that's probably what we do but mm-hmm. or or this sounds to me like an afif kind of thing that you send him on a two-year loan and just wind it down so yeah maybe I, but the problem is with afif you had an obvious place to do it um i think with santi you know i i think his it's it's Back too bad to yeah i was gonna say it's too bad that um that his time in mexico hasn't impressed anybody because i think he would be somebody that you know you could pick up the phone and call uh, a couple of MLS teams and say, Hey, I got this, got this young Argentinian play, you know, his, his resume looks pretty good. Right. And it's like, you know, can we get, you know, $3 million for him? Okay. We'll take it. Something mm-hmm. like that. Well, Espinosa has done reasonably well he has, in, yeah, in yeah. MLS. He has. Um, he has. But boy, you, before this runs too long, but I've got to mention what about Alvaro? Speaking of former oh, yeah. players and oh, yeah. the mess that he's gotten himself into. Yeah, did you have you had a chance to? Okay, so I I watched the what I could find of the of the thing. You know, it's 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 a real mess, and of course, who knows who to believe? I think you know racism and football. Neymar, it, Neymar, not exactly the most credible source of, of right. I was gonna say, you know, racism things, and so. football is is a horrible thing, but playing the racism card. <laughs> <laughs> to earn sympathy when when it isn't deserved is not any better. And you've got two hotheads there. I don't know what the truth is. It did look to me like when like whatever Alvaro said, he actually was saying to Angel Di Maria about Neymar, and then Neymar came back and said, you know, what did, what did you call me? What did you call me? And so it seems like if anybody knew what was said, it would be Di Maria. And I haven't seen that he said anything. Have you? I have not. I <laughs> think I was just so amused by the fact that Alvaro somehow managed to insert himself into a story about Di Maria and Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That just yeah. was saying good, good for him. Other, yeah. other than, other than being a racist. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which, which is, is yeah. which is not, which... not the greatest part to his name. But somehow our, our, our Alvaro who. Uh, <laughs> I think was our Funes Mori before we had Funes Mori functionally, just he was acquired for a lot less. Um, but I think we wondered at times how he sort of managed to stick around and then he did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, but, but yeah, somehow he, he managed to end up the story. It's actually interesting. He seemed to be a very well liked player at Marseille. He does. Um, uh, that, this so is the we'll thing. See, that's... We'll see how that, yeah, this is the thing that I find now. is really interesting about Alvaro is that since he got there, the fans like him and the player and the, his fellow players like him. I, th- I think his fellow players liked him in Virial, but I think the fans, you know, we all kind of 
I mean, you sort of at times just had to laugh. Um, but yeah. uh, but you know, he 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 puts everything out there. But but you know, when when you see the videos of him, um, where where the whole Tangana is going on, and it's like, yep, that's the Alvaro we 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 knew and loved. You know, his that's his right. eyes look like they're about to bulge out of his head. He's so angry. <laughs> and and um, yeah. yeah, I think I think the Espanol fans would probably recognize that Alvaro as well. Oh, so. I'm sure they would. But yeah, I it, uh, it it's pretty pretty wild. But, but yeah, Neymar yeah, is the not... most the most prominent Villarreal player of the week. Uh, right, right, Alvaro right. For you, Alvaro. So. Yeah, I I just think Neymar is not exactly the most believable um, <laughs> on the other so side, that's... though. So you know, who yeah. knows? It's um, I think the sad thing, though. I mean, well, quite apart from the question of racism, racist statements, which are never good. Is I read that you know in Brazilian media have apparently ferreted out Alvaro's phone number and where he lives and everything, and so now he's having to get a security detail from Olympic Marseille, and that, mm. that's just ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, so. so social media era, Alan. I know, I know. Sure. All right, well, I guess you know yeah. this this podcast has run almost as long to the minute as the one that people didn't get to hear. So uh, we should probably just try, to, try to add some value, <laughs> but yes, well, I think we'll be back again in a few weeks and yeah. hopefully have uh, some, some better results to talk about. I hope so. Yeah. And, and some better things overall. So anyway, end of that very